my goal this year is to get my body to a point where I look like someone who is accused of being on steroids. <laughs> not going to, I'm not going to use it, but that, that's like the aesthetic that I'm going for. Welcome to State of Health Podcast. This is your host, J-Mart. On this podcast, I will share my knowledge and experience as a personal trainer and health coach and talk about my interests and experiments in physical training, nutrition, and other lifestyle factors involved in health. On this episode of the podcast, I'm rejoined by my friend and personal trainer, Daniel Yours, to discuss our New Year's resolutions or fitness goals for 2023. We compared and contrasted what we are striving for this calendar year from a physical fitness perspective with emphasis on why and how. Despite having dissimilar goals, we had very similar ways that we came up with the goals themselves and how we plan to accomplish them. I think this podcast has good, actionable advice for your own fitness goals this year. If you like this podcast and want to hear more from me, then head over to jmartfit.substack.com and hit subscribe. By the way, if you'd really like to help out, please rate the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or hit like if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, sharing with someone else who might enjoy listening also goes a long way. Okay, no further delays. Let's listen in. Hey everyone, it's Jmart and this is State of Health. I've got DY, Daniel Yours with me. Uh, today we're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions, even though it's like the start of April. The Q1's already over, but we're talking New Year's resolutions. Daniel, thanks for, yeah, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate you. Always good to chat and always good to, to chat recorded as well. It's always, uh, it's always fun. It's always good to connect to like, you know, for everyone, for everyone listening, I'll post this on both feeds, uh, both of our podcast feeds. But uh, I think it's always important for me to, to note that your podcast was the first podcast that I ever did that I was ever on and then led to like, you know, me doing my own podcast and whatever. So like always like eternally grateful to you for, for that. Yeah, bud. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's always fun to have you come over and uh, like bounce ideas off of you and uh, talk about fitness, which is like both of our primary passions. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a good, it's a good feeling when you can nerd out with somebody who cares about it as much as you do. Yeah. 100%. It's good to, to speak to people, you know, we often speak to clients so much and which are, which are awesome and love all of them, but like, it's, it's different when you don't have to speak client language and you can speak a little bit trainer language, but also mix it in. So it's nice to, to just jam on ideas and, uh, and bounce things off each other. Yeah. We'll, we'll try not to use too much, uh, trainer jargon, like to confuse <laughs> the listeners, but I know what you mean. <laughs> so we actually planned on doing this episode a while back, basically from near the start of the year, but, uh, and that's where the idea came from because we I had just come up with this idea for what I want to do for my New Year's resolution goal. And uh, I just wanted to bounce the ideas off of somebody. And you were the kind of the natural person that I came to. And then I asked you if you had goals yourself. You said you did. And I said, this would make for a great podcast if we could just talk about it and share both our what we're doing, what we're up to. Good way to catch up as well. So, uh, yeah, hit, hit me with what your goal is. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the reason that this this one took most or so long to get to was mostly because of me and my scheduling issues and just like some logistical life things going on, but, uh, but it's all good. And we're happy to happy to get to it through it now. Honestly, I haven't really even started on my new year's fitness goals. So like the, t the timing is, is actually kind of working for me, but, um, <laughs> I, I mentioned this like several months ago publicly and I said it publicly on purpose, but my goal this year is to get my body to a point where I look like someone who is accused of being on steroids, 
I'm not <laughs> going to I'm not going to use it, but that that's like the aesthetic that I'm going for. Um, over the past couple of years, I spent a lot of time getting like I got really big. I was like 30 pounds heavier than I am now. I cut all that down basically to to where I'm at now, just to show that process and document that process. Last year was a bit of like recovering from that and kind of just having some more fun with training. But this year, I want to really dial things back in, get leaner than I've not that I've ever been, but like leaner than I've been in a, in a long time, and um, and that will probably take up most of the year and then build a little bit of muscle on, on top of that while maintaining that leanness and just to measure it because I say it like, I want to look like I'm using steroids, not because I care about using steroids, but just because it's a measure of like, Oh my God, you use steroids. Like you must be so jacked. Like no one's accusing me of that right now. <laughs> and so, and so the, the ego part of me is like, Oh, I want people to like accuse me of that uh, because it's a sign of a good thing. Not that, yeah, you know, I if can, you use I steroids, can. you know, do your thing. I don't care. Like whatever to other people. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's more or less my goal. And that may seem shallow, but like, Hey, that's, this is, this is me and my goals and it doesn't have to be <laughs> you and your goals to whoever's listening. <laughs> yeah. And goals change all the time also. So it's not, it's just, that it is, that's the goal for now. And it's going to change at some point as well. But I like what you said about uh, making the goal public, telling the world about it. And this is, I guess, one of the ways that we can keep ourselves accountable by putting it out to the world and letting the world know that we are planning this, <laughs> we're planning this. And then that way we can have somebody looking out for us. And if we don't actually bring, come up with the goods, someone's going to point it out and say, Hey, Daniel, what happened? You made this call and you didn't, it didn't happen. So I, I like that accountability aspect of it. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, just because we're trainers and we enjoy fitness, like doesn't mean that we're immune to kind of slacking off sometimes on our, on our goals or forgetting why we said we were going to do something or something like that. So having that accountability is always helpful would be it from just the internet, uh, someone very close to you from your actual trainer or coach or from a friend or a spouse or significant other or whatever. So the accountability is always a good thing. And, and, you know, in our world, I think putting it out there and documenting the process for, for others to see how we go about it is, is massively helpful, both, both to us and to everyone else who, uh, who sees it. Yeah, it can be a benefit for you for the accountability and then a benefit for the person who's watching, who can actually learn from your experience without having to make the same mistakes as you. So we hope, so we hope, cool. so we hope, but we will all make many mistakes and, and continue to make many more mistakes. Like I look back on stuff that I did a couple of years ago and we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm sure you feel the same. It's like, what the fuck was I doing that? It's like, that's so dumb. And it's not that long ago. And I'm sure <laughs> things that I do over this next year in, you know, three, four five years, I'll look back and be like, well, that was stupid. Like, why would I have done it that way? I could have just done it this way. And that would have been so much better. So, but you know, live and learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, as, as time goes on and if you're not learning and you're not changing your mind about something, it's kind of like you're, you're stuck in the same place and that, that could be a sign of something, something having gone wrong too. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. What's your goal, John, for this year? Yeah. So for my goal, uh, similar to you, I hadn't actually gotten started on it for a long time, even though I made the goal, uh, near the beginning of the year, but I've, uh, set a date. October 15th, there's the Toronto Harborfront Marathon happening, and I signed up for a half marathon. Wow. So the goal is to complete a half marathon on mid-October, uh, and this is an important part, without incurring an injury. 
<laughs> and then the icing on the cake of this goal is if I can do it in two hours. Okay. That, that is not at all what I thought you were going to say, but, uh, and, and it'll be very different to compare and contrast our, our, our training here. But, uh, wh why did you, where did that come from? Not that it's bad. It's, I think it's awesome, but where did that come from? Yeah. So I've done a marathon once before. Well, actually I did not complete it. I, uh, ran the race and I ran three quarters of it. I ran, um, the full marathon, which is 42 kilometers at the 30 kilometer mark, I decided I needed to quit because I, my knee was so badly injured that it had swollen to twice its size. And like, I knew that every step for the rest of the 10 kilometers was going to do more damage. It was not worth it. So I had, uh, uh, trained for a marathon in a really short period of time and gotten there from a cardiovascular perspective. I had the fitness for it, but in terms of the durability of my body's tissue. It just wasn't there. I had a uh, two injuries, both an ankle and a knee injury. So it was like, since then I haven't done any big races like that. And this is before I even started my whole fitness career. This is while I was like sitting at a desk pushing papers. So now like it's a long time since, and I've gained all this knowledge. I had gained all this experience and it's just like something that I need to finish, basically go back to and finish. And it's, this isn't even going to be the end of it because this is just a half marathon and I got to do the full one still, but now I'm just being smart about it. I'm not jumping into the full one right off the bat. Right. I'm like, no, I just I, let me do awesome. the half. <laughs> Pacing yourself. I think it's actually super underrated how difficult running is. And, and it's this podcast will be very timely as the weather is you know starting to turn and, and be uh, conducive to outdoor running in, in Toronto and Canada or most of Canada where people mm -hmm. just like haven't run in all the winter months. And then they're just going to get up and go for like a 45 minute jog thinking that that's normal. Like I would not go for a 45 minute jog right now. And I would consider myself, you know, m much more fit than the average person. And, and same for, for you, John, like I, I would, that would be horrible for me to do right now. I haven't run since last fall and I'm not a, I'm not a runner. I used to be like back in the day when I was playing soccer and stuff, but like not anymore, that would be horrible. Like when I go for my first run of the spring, it will be 15 minutes and I'll literally cut myself off at the 15 minute mark for fear of pushing through some type of injury or causing something. Uh, even if I feel good, I'll cut myself off and stop there because it's a lot of like, if you do one rep badly in the gym of a squat, you'll stop doing it, but you don't stop doing it in a run. And if you take one bad step, well, then you just took like, you know, 5,000 steps. You just did 5,000 bad reps and like <laughs> that's how an injury happens. Shocker. So I think, uh, I think giving yourself mm -hmm. that much time is, is also a, a really good, a really good part of this. And of course, you know, doing it with your eyes open this time. So hell yeah, mm -hmm. man, let's go. Yeah. Seven months to prepare this time around. Last time I only had like two or three months. So definitely we'll have enough time to have the body be developed that durability of the tissue, the tendons, ligaments, all of that, because yeah, it was a big problem that like led to afterwards, a lot of inactivity. I trained hard for the marathon, had a couple of small injuries prior leading to it, then had a big one during it and then lots of inactivity afterwards. So it's just, you're just shooting yourself in the foot if you're hurrying things too much. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what's step one for you then? Right. So let's, let's, uh, before we go, let's do a little bit of compare and contrast here because, okay. uh, I'm seeing a lot of contrast between my goal and your goal yeah. <laughs> because I, I went the smart goal approach, right? 
just in case people aren't aware, SMART is the acronym that spends, stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time sensitive. So I try to cover those as much as possible with the goal that I, that I selected. And when, when I heard yours, I was pretty surprised, not in what the content was, but how you phrased it, because it did not fit the SMART goal narrative <laughs> at all. So to talk to me a little bit about that. So I think that that's the way that I can say it, that it makes sense to someone listening. But in my mind, the, specif the specifics of the goal is to be hit 9% body fat. And, you know, we don't have to get into all like the inadequacies of measurements and whatever, but like sure. 9% 9, 9 to so a quote unquote 9%. And, Directionally um, from where you start. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll use the same, I use like an in-body machine. So I'll use the same, I'll use the same machine and whatever that calculates backwards from there. Um, mm -hmm. I want to hit the same strength numbers that I hit when I was like way heavier. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where my weight will fall. So I don't, I don't want to put a weight goal on it, but like body composition mm -hmm. will be at 9%. And I want to hit the same strength uh, numbers that I hit uh, previously, which was, uh, 330 pounds squat, 250 uh, bench, and 405 deadlift. So if I can hit those same numbers being like way leaner, that would be awesome. I don't know if I'll be able to, but like that's what I'm going to be aiming towards. And I'll mm -hmm. I'll have like better info on that's kind of like phase two of the goal, I think. So, but I'll have better info on how achievable that is once I get down to the level of leanness that I want to be at. Okay. All right. So you did, uh, did you, did you actually, uh, like have those measurable, like parts as parts of your measurables as part of your goal, as you were like initially thinking of this thing, like, did you come yeah. up with it as you were planning? Okay. Yeah. So essentially, you did apply I the be... smart goal tech, like a uh, method to, to your goal. You just, uh, for the purpose of like talking about it, uh, you said the yeah. first thing. Yeah. Essentially I want to okay. be the, 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 the leanest and strongest that I've been. And, and those are the measurements mm -hmm. that would, that would, uh, equal that is that 9% body fat and hitting those numbers that I hit when I was 30 pounds heavier. Mm -hmm. And how, how achievable do you think this is for you? Like, have you thought about it? Like, do you have the, yeah, the, I think, I think there's no reason that I, that I shouldn't assuming I, assuming I don't get injured and assuming no like major life curveballs come my way. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's mm -hmm. any reason why, I shouldn't be able to, I do, I do question whether my strength will be the same, but as of right now, and if I do things correctly, I think it's, I think it is achievable. Um, but I, I'm like, I would say I'm like 80% confident that it's achievable right now. Mm -hmm. And I'll have a better gauge of that once I can see my strength at the, at the leanest that I get to. Um, and if it, if it, looks like to me at that point that those numbers are totally unachievable, like strength wise, then I'll just adjust my goal down at that time. But like for now, because again, that's like kind of mm -hmm. phase two, it's dependent on how phase yeah. one goes. And so that's like the big goal. And and then we'll see. And that might that I mean, that will still be the goal. Eventually, it's just whether or not that will be the goal uh, achievable within this calendar year that, that maybe that's a better way to, to put it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm 100% positive that I could do that. Whether or not I could do it in this calendar year, that's that's up for up for debate. Mm -hmm. That was going to be my next next question. Was that was the goal supposed to be like till basically December thirty first of twenty twenty three? Yeah, achieved yeah. by then. That's your yeah. time deadline for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have the right 
resources, you have the knowledge and experience to be able to achieve this. But uh, there is a stepwise approach to it. And like I liked that you said the word phase. There are multiple phases you have to go through. And then it's good to be able to call an audible sometimes and change things up based on the outcomes of the various phases. So that's that's an important thing for a listener to, to consider is that you kind of have a skeleton to the idea of what your goal is, and then you add the meat to the bones as you go along. You don't, it's hard, you can't like plan, plan every single detail from start to finish because you're gonna just throw everything out anyway. You're gonna have to pivot so many times. So don't get bogged down on making a goal that, um, or making a stepwise approach to the goal that's very detail oriented. Exactly. Even with like programming, you can't, in theory, I could program every single workout right now for the rest of the year. But what if on, uh, you know, June 27th, I'm scheduled for a leg day and, uh, I don't know, I run out of gas on the way to the gym and like, I can't, I can't, uh, that, that's a bad example, but <laughs> a lady, just, a lady just ran out of gas actually like last week uh, in front of my street and I helped her out. And that's why that popped in my head. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, whatever, something happens and I like miss that workout. Well, like now mm -hmm. my whole yearly schedule is off. Like you've got to be specific, but not that specific, right? So mm -hmm. if, if, if on November 15th, I'm like 30% away from my strength goal, well, obviously I'm not going to hit it by then. I'm not going to gain 30% of strength in six weeks being not a novice trainer. So at that point, I'll be like, well, I'm just going to push as hard as I can, get as most as I can, and then I'll, and I'll reassess, uh, you know, December 31st and see, okay, how much time will it actually, how much more time will it take me to actually hit this goal? And I won't, and I won't take it as loss. It just is what it is because as you know, fitness is not a, there's no, it's never done. It's just a now until forever thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you one more question before we get into the how. Mm -hmm. Just want to explore your why a little bit more. Why is this something that you want to pursue? It's been, um, it's been a bit since I've felt like I'm in my best physical shape, both, both aesthetically, but more so like just performance wise. I feel like I've been, I feel like last year I kind of put it on the back burner a bit. Um, I did that whole bulk thing and while I, while I enjoyed it, like part of the, a big part of the reason that I did it was to display that publicly. Mm -hmm. And while that was helpful, it didn't have like as much of an impact as I was hoping. And that's probably mm -hmm. me and not being so great at content creation and like, and all that stuff. And so in a way, I feel like I almost like ruined myself. Like I would never do a bulk like that again. Like I just got like mm -hmm. too fat and it was part of the mm -hmm. plan and whatever, but like I it wasn't, it wasn't a good idea in hindsight. And so yeah. I want to get back to, to my best self again in our, in our industry. It's also, it's, it's silly to say that being super jacked doesn't mean something. It definitely is like part of your business card, part of who you are. And I also, I also want that, right? I don't need mm -hmm. external validation from others. I want to look in the mirror and be like, wow, like I like, yeah, we fucking did it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I want that hard. for myself. It's hard to fake, uh, an amazing physique, right? <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's like the only thing that, that you can't fake really. Right. And it's universal. Everyone knows that you walk into a bar in some corner of the world and like, you look jacked. Well, everyone, everyone knows that that's how you got that. Right. There's no, there's no other way. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of ego. It's a little bit of professional impacts. Um, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of proving to myself that I can do it. I think another thing for me is 
Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say that, you know, we should take a balanced approach to life. And, and I do say this, that we should take a balanced approach to things that, you know, you don't have to be all in on your fitness. You don't have to be like super shredded mm-hmm. or super strong. And, and I do believe those things. I just think it, that statement holds a lot more worth when you are that and you say you don't have to be this way versus mm-hmm. being not that way and saying, ah, you don't have to be that way. Don't worry about those people. So I think, I think the level of impact that I'll be able to have with that will, will also improve. Um, in, in this sort of roundabout way, rather than like a, look at me, I'm Jack sign up for coaching with me. Like, that's not really the thing. It's more of like a symbol of what, of what everything else means. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a train of thought that escapes me, but yeah, I mean, I, I, def- I, I definitely it- don't think that it's worth it for everyone to be like super shredded and super jacked and chase like big numbers mm-hmm. in the gym. It's definitely not worth it. I also am fully aware that mm-hmm. I am, not married and don't have children and I don't have like, I'm not financially responsible for anyone but myself in mm-hmm. my life. So like I have a lot of advantages. And so the other side of it is like, well, I, th- those things will change at some point in the future. And so mm-hmm. why not do it now until exactly w- when I, when I can, right? Like I, like you were saying before about any obstacles, like there is, I foresee nothing outside of something totally unexpected and, and totally random that would prevent me from being able to do this this year. There's nothing in the way that like, Oh, what if my kid gets sick? Like, that's not, that's not going to happen. It's not a thing that's in my life. And so I, so I realize like the, the, the luck or, you know, whatever word you want to use the, the, the ability that I have to do that. And while other people don't have that, that's why their goals are different. And so our goals are not the same. And even, you know, you and I, John, our goals mm-hmm. are not the same and we've got different, different constraints, mm-hmm. right? You do have kids. I don't. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, little bit more obstacles in your, your path than there are in mine. Yeah. And it actually came back to me. What I was, the idea that I was trying to have is that, yes, we want to be even keel and we, we, you know, don't want to, like I said, let's say, get out, be too intense, but everything in moderation, including moderation. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like you said, you have the right circumstances in your life that let you go intense into something, whether it be going into that bulking or now going into like trying to cut, uh, get cut and be more lean. Like you have the opportunity, why not take it? And, you know, as long as you're smart about it, like the ultimately the consequences are going to be that you just like have an, an interesting experience and you learn something. Yeah, How bad yeah. could that be? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's no downside. And I think that it, this also like, th- this goes across anyone and doesn't, the, the extremity of, of how hard you're pushing or, or how, how crazy your goal is will be different. But like a client that I was speaking to this morning, she travels a lot for work and this next month, uh, like basically for the whole month of April, she has no travel coming up. And I said, okay, well, this is like the time, like let's dial in on your training and nutrition, like whatever, all the stuff that we talk about, because in May she's got like a whole, like basically the whole month of May, she's going to be away, which means that she's not going to be able to be perfect with her nutrition. Training is going to be sporadic at best and all these things. So it's like, let's push hard when we can, because we know that real life stuff is, is coming. Right. Mm. And, and even within my, my year of training, there are no big things that are going to keep me away, but there will be weekends where there's a celebration, uh, you know, a wedding, a, a birthday party, uh, something like that. And so there will be weeks, you know, people will call them, microcycles, mesocycles, however granular you want to get with these things, but there will be mm-hmm. periods of time throughout this entire year where I will push harder than others because of just mm-hmm. stuff that's happening and social stuff, more, more mostly that's happening in life where it's like, all right, I, I know that I'm not going to be able to be perfect because I got to be at this event all weekend and I'm not going to be able to train, not going to be able to eat well, all this stuff. So push hard when you mm-hmm. can and like that, that way you can coast when you have to without regressing. 
Yeah, exactly. So that, yeah, that comes back to the idea of just being able to pull a call an audible and change the plan up based on your circumstances that can be based on your availability to train or how well the successful the training is going. There are many variables that are, you're going to have to be tracking throughout the process of trying to achieve your goal and then, mm -hmm. yeah, adjust. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. And I think that's just part of it, right? You just mm -hmm. got to be able to adjust. You got to be able to roll with the punches, have the big picture in mind, but then, you know, adjust it, adjust as needed. Mm -hmm. To go back a little bit onto like my why for the, for choosing this goal now, I, um, so my, my main goal, this is like this whole training for this marathon thing is actually just even a secondary goal. My main goal for like, in terms of like physical training, fitness is like, I've got the jujitsu bug. I'm just like, I got to keep doing that. That's the, my main thing. I love it. I can't stop doing it. So like my goal is for that is to just keep training and, you know, up my belt status from like, I'm, I'm blue. So next one's purple. I got to work, work towards purple. And then, you know, as you're doing that, you're realizing like my stamina could be way better, right? <laughs> I, I could have a lot more endurance. And if I do, that's a key part of being good at jujitsu is you, you just got to outlast the other person. Like a lot of times I'm not very good at applying um, a, a submission, but I am really good at being really heavy on top of somebody and tiring, tiring them out. And then eventually, because they're so tired, they'll let me put the submission on. Right. <laughs> so right. I need to get better at endurance and cross training is very good for that. Like running is an excellent use of doing that. So work on improving my, you know, cardiovascular fitness, my uh, VO2 max cardiac output, however you want to, whatever nerdy <laughs> fitness <laughs> term you want to put on it. I want to have a big engine that I can use for when I'm uh, doing jujitsu. So I just thought it was a good fit with that. And then I could, since I could tie it back to my previous experience of like failing at doing a marathon, I thought it, it was a, it was a good fit. I love that. Check, checks off that box of, of getting the marathon done. And it also adds to your jujitsu, which is actually your main thing, but it doesn't take away from it. Like if you, if your goal this year was to like add 15 pounds of muscle, that would, that would fundamentally change your jujitsu and it would, it would impact it probably negatively at, at least initially. And so, and so mm -hmm. this, like the marathon training, assuming, you know, knock on wood, no injuries would only mm -hmm. add to your jujitsu and not take away from it at all. Yeah, exactly. So it's very supplementary or complementary, I guess is the word. It's going to help what I actually truly care about. Cause like ultimately my why is I really want to like go and wrestle people and like, I don't know, it's just fun for me. Like that's, I can do that endlessly. So I want to do things that help support that. And I don't love running. I haven't loved it since I got that injury. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm willing to put myself through a training cycle of getting good at it so that I can first just, you know, I also like the idea of getting good at running, but that again, that's secondary to supporting my jujitsu. Did you consider, um, a mar uh, a triathlon at all instead of the marathon or like not a full triathlon, but mm -hmm. half try or whatever else they call them? That's going to have to definitely that's down the pipeline that will happen, but, uh, I need to get like a swim coach. <laughs> okay. That is, that is the big X factor. My only thought there was like triathlon is just less running. Actually. Yeah. I mean, a full triathlon is a full marathon. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. But if you did a shorter one, it might be like a 10 K run, which would be like less running. And then like the biking part would be yeah. a lot less impact and, and less skill, I guess. And yeah. but the swimming part is a whole, is a whole different 
Yeah. Do they, I think they call it an Ironman when when the triathlon is like has, has like a really long oh, okay. running part. That's the marathon. But yeah. I, I okay. don't quote me on that. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know the rules of, of, of what constitutes a triathlon or not. But uh, like, there's some running running element, and I would assume I, mm-hmm. my my point would be choosing a triathlon length that is less than a half marathon of running. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got to get better at swimming. That's uh, a yeah. that's my uh, kryptonite. So I've definitely like uh, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but there's like this uh, swimming um, training system called Total Immersion that I like got the videos for, and like I was watching them, and I even went to the pool a couple of times to like do it. But I'm like, <sighs> like I I can't be at like my phone by the pool like watching the video, <laughs> and try, like I need someone there to actually teach me, you know? So, right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that that would add a whole layer of complexity. But I mean, maybe that's you know a next year or a year after or whatever uh, some other thing. I feel like do do you find this too that everyone as we like get older we go away from like trying to hit huge like numbers in squat, bench, deadlift, and just transition towards endurance sports? I do I can't figure out why that is. But like, there's no there's no fifty year old dudes just like chasing higher bench press numbers. They're just doing triathlons. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I think. Uh... You know, maybe you you just hit your peak, and after a while, it's just a lot of maintenance, and people yeah. people get bored of having to maintain, and they want something new and exciting. Yeah, definitely a part of it. Maybe not the whole story, but uh, that's that's part of it. I mean, I still Seems love doing heavy squats. <laughs> like, don't get yeah. me wrong, <laughs> but I'm not like trying to pursue big numbers. It's just like every once in a while, it's just to do it so you know you can still do it yeah <laughs> still got it <laughs> yeah no i i get that. that 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 seems plausible to me it's just just an observation that i've had over the years mm-hmm. yeah i mean we just you, everybody starts off doing squat deadlift bench right that's your starting point and then like i said like people iterate people try to find new things and they they, they lose maybe their love and passion for it but find a new why so it's it's yeah it's also another way static. to like to 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 manufacture like newbie gains in a way or like a new challenge in an in an old goal type of thing because if you you know say you know this year you train for for the half marathon even next year you do the full marathon let's extrapolate a little bit but then after that you're like wow I feel like I can't squat as much as I used to and then you just like repursue that and the goal is about like getting back to what you what you were but it's at the expense mm-hmm. of something else right your 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 max strength mm-hmm. levels will will go down at the expense of increasing mm-hmm. your ability to run a half marathon this year. And that, and that's okay. That's like a trade-off you're willing to, willing to make, right? I'm not going to be able to run a marathon by the end mm-hmm. of this year, but I will be stronger and I will be leaner. Like mm-hmm. these things have trade-offs and that's okay too. So then it goes in just cycles of like, all right, well now I want to do that. I already conquered, you know, climb this mountain. Let's do something else now. Yeah. And the idea of cross training, I think while you're having some sort of diminishment, I think you're at the same time building new qualities that when you go back to training the first thing, you can apply those new qualities and perhaps get to new heights. This is not a, like, I think the idea of cross training is not new and it's, it, it's yeah. very effective. I mean, CrossFit is, is like people who, who do CrossFit seriously look the way they do for a reason. Yeah. You brought it up that the CrossFit, it's, it almost seems to me like the inevitable goal is to just everyone will just do CrossFit as much as I shit on it in the past. And like, I think it's a great community and whatever. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but it's like kind of seems like where, where I'm headed eventually. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good idea to put all these different styles of training together. Like, like when, you know, when people say, 
uh, just train the, the, what is it? The five, six different movements like squat, uh, uh, push, pull, you yeah, know, hit, carry, squat, like, lunge, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like that doesn't even begin to cover the multitude of movements that humans are capable of. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a good starting point, but there's so much more that people do. Yeah. So many different qualities of movement, right? Like what about like hitting or throwing things, right? Like the, the whip that you're creating when you do that, you're not training any of that when you're doing hinge, squat, push, pull, like you right. need something yeah, specific totally agree. to that as well. It's, it's very or uh, locomotion. Yeah. It's very training. It's very gym centric and not very human centric. I think maybe is a good way to put it, put it, like you said, there's no throwing, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no throwing people. There's no throwing yourself. There's no throwing objects. There's no inversion. There's no rolling. There's no twisting. There, there's so many things that again, humans, there's no climbing like, you know, there's so many things that, that, that we can do that, that are not covered in that. But like, you don't, you don't, you don't, uh, somersault with a barbell in your back so it doesn't get covered in that you know in the six primal movements which is actually you know saying that out loud now sounds so ridiculous to call those the the primal movement patterns but they're like the least primal things ever but you know whatever in the way they are but they're 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 like in a they're primal to a very small box the box yeah. is much bigger yeah yeah that's a rabbit hole. I think you and I can go down uh, very, very deep. So let's let's try and, and not <laughs> not yeah, go too far it back. too too far down that one. Um, mm -hmm. So tell me about your first phase of training. So my first phase of training, I'm actually I have a shoulder injury right now that I got in uh, mid mid January or end of January snowboarding. Um, so first thing for me is actually just dealing with this injury. I'm probably like another. It's taking much longer than I, than I thought, but I want to say I'm another two to three weeks away from like fully pushing on, on anything upper body, like anything pulling or pushing is, is kind of out of the question right now with any like appreciable load. So I can go, I can go fine on lower body. And so I'll start building that back up. Um, but because I've actually been not really training that much over the past, like six weeks or so, like at, at all, uh, my first phase of training will be more of like a GPP kind of thing where I'm just sort of getting myself back used to lifting some weights um, and, and being in the gym. And my strategy for that from like a programming perspective is actually using the, like the main, again, the main movement, squat, bench, deadlift, you know, overhead press. I won't be doing the overhead stuff or whatever, but, um, mm -hmm. and in a, in a descending rep fashion. So I'll hit like, you know, I'll go like 10, eight, six, four, and then hit another set of 10. And that will be like the thing for the main movement of the day. For me, it's, it's one, it's like my favorite way to train. It's just a, it's just a system that I really enjoy. And I've come to really love over the years from personal experience. And, and not that it's like more, or not that it's better than anything else, just a enjoyment, uh, uh, for me. Mm -hmm. So me getting back to doing that is, is one of it Two, It gets a lot of volume, but also allows me to lift some heavy weights or relatively heavy weights without doing it that often. Like doing a five by five right now, if I went into a five by five of squats tomorrow, I would be, I would be absolutely crushed, but only hitting like a, a single set of four plus like the volume at the lower, 
with lower weight uh, just seems to really help me kind of get back into the swing of things. I kind of cover all my, it's like almost, it's so nonspecific that it's actually perfect for what I need because it's not super great at building strength, not super great at like endurance because it's just a little bit of everything, but it, but that's exactly what I need right now. So that's sort of like phase one, four to six weeks. Um, and then from there, I'll roll into a bit of a more of like a accumulation kind of phase of training uh, where I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, a higher volume overall. And then mm-hmm. after that, um, into the intensification where I'll start to be lifting heavier. Now, this is also mm-hmm. talking about like eight to 10 weeks out. So my diet would also start to get hard around this point. And so this is when I, I'm not going to have as much juice in the tank. And so I might be doing strength training at, at mm-hmm. relatively heavy weights, but mm-hmm. not actually that heavy. And the volume will have to be low because I won't be able to push through sets mm-hmm. of 15 or whatever. I just won't have enough energy. So also considering that because the diet is going to be a big part of getting leaner, obviously as well. Um, and I'll, and I'll slowly ramp up cardio. You know, we're obviously talking about running, in my personal experience with myself, not even with other people, but just with myself, there is something about adding running into my programming that helps me get leaner than than not adding running in my program. Even if it's like cardio time is equated for riding a bike or doing other things. I don't know what it is. I, I can't figure mm-hmm. this out from like a physiological standpoint. I hate that it seems to be true for me, but it, but it is, um, but, but it is. And so, and so I, but, but at the same time, like I want it, I want to be able to run. I don't want to feel like I can't run. It feels like a, just a general life skill that I, that I should be able to like go for a run without really thinking about it the same way we used to do that in recess. You go outside from mm-hmm. sitting in a chair and you sprint for 45 minutes, <laughs> you come back inside and as if nothing happened, I want to be able to do that. Um, so, so, I, so running will be in, in the mix, slowly, slowly ramping up. Um, yeah, that is more or less like an outline of, of the how, um, mm-hmm. get specific with, with something to, to bounce off me. Cause I know I said a lot of things there. So uh, what I want to say right off the bat is that sounds like the typical program that I try to be selling on when, like, when I was first, like becoming a trainer at good life, like that's the typical, like, let's go GPP volume intensity, GPP yeah. volume intensity. Yeah. So, so you're sticking to like the fundamentals, which I love. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, what I like it also, the one other thing that kind of came to mind as I was noting what you're talking about is the idea that you've done experimentation with your training and you figured out, Oh, if I add this cardio element to it, I actually reach my goals better. Like you've done the work you've done, you've done the experimenting, you've asked the right questions to lead you to this point where you know it. And now you know that to in- implement that. And that's so important. Like it's just a lot of times people will, I don't know, throw the first thing that they see in terms of like a program that uh, they come across on the internet and not actually take the time to figure out what works personally for them. Because like you said, initially your program has that like quality that it's the same for everybody, right? Like it's GPP volume intensity that applies to everybody, but then you can add elements to it and, and personalize it to meet your needs and work for you specifically. And that's, that's an important thing that people need to understand. Like you can't just do everything that everybody else is doing to a point like you can, but like you also have to personalize. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's the framework that I, that I use for myself always and for clients for the most part. And of course it, it, it varies on the specifics of it, but like the overall theme, if I had to like break down how I do my programming, like that is it. And it, and it changes very, very much between clients and the, the length of phases of training will, will change the specifics of exercises that are chosen and, and things will obviously be changed to each person. But like overall, that's kind of like the, the overarching theme. And I'm, and I'm not really, I haven't really been sold on like a, a reason not to do it that way or, or a better way. You could, you could get very specific about the definitions of like, Oh, when you do it that way, it's not, it's no longer an accumulation phase. And it's like, okay, but like, it's not, you know, there's no, there's no rule book. Here. There's yeah. no, there's no right answer. Like this is what I'm doing. And some, and some sometimes it's like, I don't have the information to prove this, but I know this to be true for myself. And so like, again, with the running thing, I, I don't know why that is a thing for me. It, it's gotta be some sort of like a backdoor way of like, I, I, I guess I burn more calories doing that than something else, but I also somehow, change the way that I sleep or change the way that I, that I eat, like uh, subconsciously, something else is happening subconsciously when I add the running in that is allowing me to get leaner than if I wasn't running. And, and I can't figure that out. I can't nail that down. But again, I just, I know it to be true for me. And I also know it to not be true for others. Some people running, it just does, it does nothing better. And it's like, well, yeah, just ride the bike instead or, or don't do any cardio or whatever, whatever they're, whatever is relevant to them. So this is where the, the, the self-experimentation and like just years of experience really comes in is I just know things that work for me. I've, I've, I've been tracking my training for a long time and I know what I looked like doing different phases of training over the years. And so by repeating that same framework, adding in some new things that I've learned since the last time I did that brings repeatable results from what happened last time. So. Perfect. Yeah. You don't, you don't need the why for why things work. You just need yeah. the how because yeah. <laughs> you just need to know that it does work. And then the unfortunate thing of this, of course, again, back to the personalizing things, the how does not work the same for everybody that comes. That's true. Whether you're training, whether you're, it's the nutrition, right? The different diets, they work differently on different people. Same training plan can work differently on different people. Someone's going to do that thing, that workout and get really like uh muscular but other people have different genetics and that same workout is just maybe not going to be pushed them enough so right it, yeah, it also highly depends on, on on one's uh one's level of training expertise like someone who's mm -hmm. never been in the gym i'm not having them do a set of you know four reps on a barbell back squat like day one in the gym like that would be the the dumbest thing ever maybe so <laughs> like but but Waste myself one's time yeah, exactly. Like myself, while I haven't been working out for a little bit, I'm not, I'm not a novice to training. I've been training my, my whole life. Like it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit rusty, but not even really. It's just, uh, you know, I'm, my starting point is not zero. My starting point is somewhere much further along the line. So just to keep, just to keep that in mind for everyone, like GPP can also look like many different things. And like the way that I do it is not the way, the way that I do it for myself is not the way that I would do it for for all my clients, it might be the way that I do it for some of them, but not all of them. And so like, you know, individual mm -hmm. approach to, to everything. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Cool. That it's funny. What's... Like your, uh, your phases are very similar to my phases, even though it's like mine's running and yours is a uh, uh, strength training, weight training. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's, that's exactly what I was trying to say before is like, no matter what the goal is, like the phases are the, the, the global phase is kind of the same. 
And then it's just like, well, mm -hmm. what, what are you actually aiming at? And then how do you change the training in there? But you've still got to work it the same way. So, so then what is yours? Like what's, what's step one for you? Right. So phase number one is to just basically build a base GPP as well. So for, uh, running, I figure you can break it down into cardiovascular fitness and muscular endurance. So the first phase, I want to focus a little bit more on muscular endurance. And because it was like during the colder months too. Uh, so I did a lot more like time in the gym, like doing actual workouts to, to target like the leg muscles and less running. Now that it's getting warmer, you know, I'm starting to, you know, establish a cons consistent running routine. I'm going to aim for like at least once per week, ideally two times, but I might, that probably won't happen. <laughs> and then just basically gradually increasing the running distance for, I'm going to start with 5k because 5k is like very easy for me. And it's like the perfect distance where there's like a calisthenics park that I go to and come back. It's exactly five kilometers. Nice. And I do that. And I'm going to slowly increase that to double that to 10 kilometers. That'll be like the first two months of training, basically build up the base. And then from there, I feel like once my body will have the tissue, that's a little bit more able to take on the impact of running. That's where I like, will kind of ditch the gym a little bit more so, and I'm still going to do like stretching and things are going to help make the running be a little bit easier to do. But in terms of a uh, weight training, I think I'm going to minimize that and just focus on establishing my running routine as best as possible and then increasing the time little by little from 10 or sorry, not time, the distance from 10 to maybe 15 kilometers, something that I accumulate through the week. So if I may, mm -hmm. if I am able to do like multiple runs uh, per week, then I'm going to try to accumulate 10 to 15 kilometers. If it's going to be just one run, then I'm, I'm going to have to do it like in one go, but it'll have to just depend on what my schedule allows me to do. As I increase my endurance and I do that, that's going to be like a, a long time, probably like three months, something like that. So my goal will be that by the end of that training phase in one week, I will accumulate the same distance as I would for the day of the race. So the day of the race, it'll be half a marathon, 21 kilometers. So I'm hoping by the end of that endurance, after the GPP, the endurance phase, I'm going to be able to do the half marathon added up in, uh, in two runs, probably in, in one week. And then that, that still gives me about two months remaining before I have to do the race. So the last like month and a half is going to be my peaking. I'm going to incorporate hill sprints at that point. So that's kind of similar to uh, training. You're going to be like, you know, going into your intensity phase, uh, for me, like doing the hill sprints is going to be my way of intensifying things. And then, um, and then by the end of this phase, I'm still going to continue like at least one long run per, per week. And then the goal at this, at the end of this phase, we'll be able to do my one half marathon run. I, I want to do at least one half marathon run before the actual race, but I'm going to deliberately do it in um, over two hours. My goal for the race will be two hours or less. I'm going to deliberately go very slow and go over two hours for the, for this, just because uh, I think that way I'll, ha I'll leave room for something to try for during the race itself. And then the last two weeks will be my taper phase. So I'm just going to reduce the, the, the time that I'm running and, and the distance. Yeah, that's it. That makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think I would probably structure it very similarly. Um, one thing that I, that I really like that you mentioned was that 
the first thing that you're going to be doing is focusing on your actual like tendon and tissue ability to withstand the the forces of running because I would probably guess for yourself that your cardiovascular fitness exceeds your like your feet ankles knees and hips etc ability to run mm-hmm. like you you could keep going your heart could keep going longer than your legs could keep going so you've got to so the first step is like catching those things up and making it to a point where mm-hmm. they start to fatigue you know of course sort of at the same time and and you may you might take longer to get there but eventually that's where you that's where you probably want to get so continuing to like train those tissues or starting to train those tissues to get used to the 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 uh the pounding of running and the the effort of running is going to be is going to be huge one question that i that i have for you on on the way you're going to split up your mileage in the week if you if you are trying to accumulate the like a half or however you build it up so you're trying to accumulate 10 kilometers Mm -hmm. 15 and then accumulate the full half how -hmm. will you do that if you if you're uncertain of your schedule like say it's monday you you think that you're gonna or say it's a week where you know you're only going to get one run in you're not going to just do the full half in that one day because that would be like totally breaking your 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 training plan so how would you how would you go about that yeah, so basically I'll have to schedule everything well ahead of time, which I'll be able to do. And then for the weeks that I can't, like, let's say I'm on my final um, intensifying week where I'm trying to get, um, you know, or let's, uh, just before that, where I'm trying to accumulate 21 kilometers in a week. So I'd need like at least two runs to do that. But I know if I can't have two runs, then I'll have to you know, if ever, if it was going to be two runs and I needed to, you know, account for 21 kilometers, then it's easy, right? You, you do two 10 kilometer runs. If you can only do one run, then possibly you just decide that oh, I'm going to bite the bullet this week and only do a one 15 kilometer run, skip out on the, on those five kilometers and then start over again next week. So like we said before, you gotta, you gotta adjust and, and, and think about, uh, what your schedule is and what you're allowed to do and how you can make the most of your time. Right. Do you think that, or do you anticipate that there will be a big difference in jumping up the amount of kilometers that you're doing in a run versus over the week? So what I'm, what I'm trying to get at there is like, Will there be a, a a vastly different training effect from hitting like 15 kilometers and then a six kilometer run to build up to 21 versus a 10 and an 11? Right. Uh, I think it more so depends on like the amount of time that you do it in. Like if, if you do like a, those two runs, like maybe two or three days apart versus like, the first day of the week and last day of the week. So I think that might have an impact on it. Uh, I haven't thought about it that deeply, to be honest, but so, so your plan then your plan then would be like whatever your, your weekly uh, mileage is, you're just going to cut it in half and then get those in two runs kind of thing. Yeah. If I can, that, that'll be, that'll be the, okay. But I, I think I, I see what you're talking about where you do eventually want to be able to do like at least a, a few runs that are going to be, you know, longer than just 10 kilometers. Cause you got to do at least double that, uh, for the actual race. So there's going to be, have to be weeks where you don't just split it in half and, you know, do, 
you know, just to have the experience to know what it feels like to be running for 15, 20 kilometers. Right. That's, that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like my, my head is going to, once you start to get comfortable doing the, the 21 kilometers over the week, like cut in half, then, then skewing that and, and you could do it in whichever order you wanted, but like the first run of the week, let's say starts to be your longer run. And then the second run of the week is like your speed run, if you will. So you're, you're mm-hmm. almost training for the race to get faster at running in a shorter distance mm-hmm. while also getting yourself used to running for slightly longer distances. And so each week you might, you might flip that by like a kilometer. So it's like 10 and 11 mm-hmm. and then it'll go, you know, 12 and whatever, and then 13 and 14 and, and then the other side comes yeah. down. So, but that, that's, that's just a really thought. Point. Yeah. I'm going to definitely add that to the, 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 for, the, whatever plan I have written out for myself. Definitely going to add that, add that to that. Cause it's, it's a really good idea for just, uh, yeah, slowly upping the intensity. I'm going to get to a point where 10, you're like, you're right. 10 kilometers is going to be easy. And then, yeah, that, that's little. what I'm thinking. So 10 kilometers is going to get to a point. It's going to be get to 10 K is easy, but then within 20 K will be so foreign, right? It's doing it. So that's, that's kind of the only, the only thing where my, my head's going. But I mean, other than that, I, like I would, I would structure it. I think the same, the same way that you have it laid out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and like during my, the final phases, I'm peaking, my goal will be to do that one race where I right. do it for 21 kilometers in one go. So this is a good idea what you're introducing as a way to work up to that. Yeah. Yeah. I also like the, 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 the point of getting the, getting the full half under your belt so that you know you can do it, but purposely doing it slow so that you feel like you can push yourself on, on race day. That way you just, you have that confidence that like, yes, you can do this. You're not going to, you know, bug out at, you know, kilometer 17 and, but, but then you can like, you can compete against yourself. And so you don't even keep it, Mm -hmm. keep a clock on the first one, just kind of go freely. And then, and then on race day, it's a race. So, you know, you want to, you want to beat the time that you've set out for yourself. Yeah, man. My, my first uh, go at, at the marathon, I did everything the wrong way. So it was, it's been very informative and in how I plan on it for this time. Yeah. So I, 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 like I already said, I trained for a very short amount of time for that first marathon try. I didn't account for the fact that the tissue had to accumulate to the, uh, to the same level as the cardiovascular fitness. And then I also set myself a ridiculous, uh, uh, like a time, time goal, which, uh, you know, I was on my way to meeting, but, uh, because like I hadn't actually run a full marathon up until the race day, right. my right. body didn't know how to, <laughs> right. how to actually do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not surprising in hindsight, I'm sure. <laughs> but at the time you're like, well, it's just running. How hard can it be? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah I had, like I said, this was when I was working at like, uh, yeah. I was, I was actually a grad student earning my master of science. <laughs> nice. So, so it's, it's almost impossible, I think, to, to, to probably compare your training last time to this time solely based on the amount of time that you have to train. Last time mm-hmm. you said you had like two or two or three months and this time yeah. you got like a, almost a whole year. Seven so, months. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's almost impossible. Like your training in two months is like, you just practice it and then you cross your fingers and hope for the best. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if I had two months of training for a marathon right now, like I, my only training would be like well, go outside and run for as long as you can and try not to get injured until race day. Like that would mm-hmm. be the only thing, like practice doing the event. That would be the way to train for it. But with enough time, you can train elements of that and actually work up towards something. Mm-hmm. 
in my fairness, I did run a half marathon before attempting the full, like uh, on my own, not a, like, nice. a sanctioned yeah. race, but uh, it's, it's not as fun running a half marathon by yourself. No, for sure. For <laughs> without sure like getting a medal at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's barely fun running for two minutes by yourself. Never mind. <laughs> what, um, what obstacles do you foresee if, if, uh, if any major, major obstacles that, that might come up for you? Yeah, injury, of course, but I think I'm going to do a, as best a job to mitigate that as possible, especially right now with the in, endurance, uh, the, like the GPP phase. One thing that I'm doing a lot of is a lot of banded exercises, just like single joint flexion. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do like hip flexion, banded hip flexion, just like do a like knock out a hundred reps of those, knock out a hundred reps of knee flexion, hundred reps of like uh, plantar flexion. Just go through the joints and get as many light reps as possible. I feel like that's that's going to help a lot in terms of mitigating for injury. Obviously, like you can't foresee everything that anything sure. anything can happen with with regards to injury. Other than that, I feel fairly confident because that first time I tried it with way less knowledge and way less experience, and I did thirty kilometers. Right, <laughs> and I right. did it in I, I if I remember my time right, it was like it was actually under two hours. So. I think okay. I can do it. The trick's just going to be, like I said, from the outset, my goal is to do it without incurring an injury. Right. That's really the main thing. Right. Are you at all worried that you may pick up an injury from jujitsu or something that, that also hinders it just as a side or no? Yeah, certainly. That's always a possibility. I've been, I've been pretty lucky with, with jujitsu and I'm also just like, I'm at a stage where I, like, if I feel, I'm very good at feeling if something's off and I'm, uh, as soon as I feel it, I just back off. I back right. off and I let it, let things heal. And I am also very good at finding what I need to do to make the injury go away. Mm. A lot of times, you know what, it's, it's not even that I'm finding what I need to do. I'm just everything that can, I can, I can throw at the wall, whatever sticks, like something's going to work. So I'm just yeah. trying to find any type of movement that if whatever joint hurts, I'm going to move that joint any possible way that I can until it stops hurting. And it usually works. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think just to like, to make a big asterisk on that for, for people listening is like that comes from years of experience and like, like book knowledge, but also experiential knowledge of training and healing yourself and training and healing others. And so for, for someone who's not that like, go see someone, if you start to feel something like, don't, don't try and just fix it yourself. Cause chances are you might actually just be doing more harm than good. Um, but, but there are things that you can fix. And I think the most important thing is that just listen to yourself. And if you start to feel a little twinge in your knee or whatever, don't, if it's, if it's not nothing, then don't treat it like it's nothing, like deal with it and then you know, live to fight another day, so to speak. So I think just an important asterisk to, to say, but, but I'm with you, John, like mm -hmm. I, I, I do the same thing for me. It's like, if I feel something, I know if it's an injury or if it's just a tightness or if it's like a, something that mm -hmm. requires attention or not. And then I just do like everything and something's going to work. And I know what the limits of my own body are. I've been injured more than enough times to, to, to know the difference and, and, uh, and figure it out for myself. And so I kind of deal with things the, the, the same way and, and learn how to train around stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I like your caution, but I, I also don't want to scare people off from using movement as, as yes. a way to heal themselves. Like, yes, don't load your body if, if there's some issue. And you, like you said, if you're feeling a twinge, something feels off, don't load the body. But there's always a way to move without loading a joint. And you can also vary the speed of movement 
to a point where you're just like moving very slowly at a crawl space. And at that point, the actual probability of injuring yourself is very low. And, and you can practice that inner kind of perception of like, what am I actually feeling? That that's a perfect opportunity, right? Pain is the best teacher. You shouldn't push into pain, but you, you can definitely explore pain and find what the borders of pain are. And uh, that, I think that like, there's no better way of like fixing anything in your body other than that, like use pain as a teacher. Yeah. Well, well, well said. I think even just to, to paint that picture, an example would be if it hurts when you squat, try doing it with no weight. If that still hurts, do a half squat. If that still hurts, do a, do a really slow squat. If that still hurts, do it only on one leg with like a box and like, you know, just continually regress the movement until you find the point that like, okay, that doesn't hurt anymore. All right, good. We'll mm -hmm. do that then, right? If if my wrist hurts when I move it here, well then don't move it here. Only keep it here, <laughs> all right? And then just slowly, you know, push that back until it's until it doesn't hurt mm -hmm. anymore. And that's mm -hmm. you know, that that is almost roughly all of like physical therapy. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's a, <laughs> I guess to sum up <laughs> manual therapy in like two sentences, that would be it. We'll just find the point where it doesn't hurt and do that, and then keep doing it until it mm -hmm. doesn't hurt anymore. But uh, obviously, there's a lot more more to it. Just just be cautious of yourself, but also you know don't be overly cautious. Don't sit on the couch and do nothing and treat yourself like mm -hmm. a band aid. If you have like a little twinge, like search and learn about your body, but but don't do things that are dumb. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Sound <laughs> advice. Don't do things. <laughs> never never go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, like I like the the squat techniques you're talking about like even you could you could go on your back and flex your knees to your chest and that kind of looks like a squat and that's completely unloaded yeah and you know even for that some people might feel pain but you can try one leg at a time and, and right you know, just, yeah just In, infinite, infinite ways to infinite ways to, to regress a, a movement that doesn't have to be the the movement itself right so mm -hmm. what else do we want to talk about <laughs> um oh, we talked i know what i want to talk about so with, with running, like we were talking about, you know, getting better at running the actual skill of running. Mm. So my, my goal is ultimately to improve my cardiovascular fitness, but I feel like I can do that to its best potential. If I really learn the skill of running and I dial that in and then once that's dialed in, then I can really focus on, on how how I can push my cardiovascular fitness and, and be able to do that. So I've been trying to, um, I guess, learn more about it. Like, how can I run more efficiently? Many years back, this is maybe three years ago, I, I read this book. It was talking about running and it described it as a series of controlled falls. And, and like, Parts of it made sense to me, but also I feel like it felt like a little off to me. Like it doesn't, why should we be falling while we're, mm -hmm. while we're running? Like to me, running was always like similar to jumping, like a single leg jump. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then, so recently I've been discovering, uh, the work of David Weck. He's the, um, inventor of the BOSU ball. I know you don't love the BOSU ball very much. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> always, I just like making fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I like. So one thing I'd like to push back on that, just as a side note, is that we should make fun of the people using the tool yes. incorrectly, not the tool itself. You're right. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. 
like, there's nothing wrong with the tool. There's there's something wrong with people who again people who do dumb stuff. <laughs> yeah, like you shouldn't be doing crazy stuff on on a Bosu ball. Like or a trainer shouldn't ta- be taking their client who's trying to get really strong and getting them to do a barbell back squat on a Bosu ball. Yeah. But at the same time, how many times is there a lost opportunity when a trainer has a client with back pain? And then they don't utilize the Bosu ball as a way of helping them stabilize their their uh, low back muscles. Right. Right. It, it, so, it definitely it definitely has its uses. I, I I'm I'm with you on that. I think it's just an easy one to to like to make fun of. Kind of like it's just easy to make fun of CrossFit. But but every nothing is dumb in and of itself. It's only dumb the way that it's applied. It's just that usually you see the Bosu ball used like in very silly ways. People who, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, we don't have to go into it too deep, but it's like people just use it so wrong, like so incorrectly that it's like, I can't even fathom how they thought that that was a good idea. And 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 just to like even go into that a little bit more quickly is like, I, mm-hmm. I would never, I'd never make fun of someone like who's a regular person who's in the gym, like trying stuff because I know that it's not your fault that you don't know what you're doing. Like if I was trying to, uh, like, I don't know, write a balance sheet, like I would have no idea how to do that. And I would do like the dumbest stuff and accountants would laugh at me. Right. Because like, what is this guy doing? He has no idea what he's doing. So I'm not laughing at people who like, don't know what they're doing about not knowing what they're doing. Like that's very, that's stupid. But what well, I, I do make fun of people who are trainers or quote unquote trainers who are doing this stuff. And it's like, I I cannot think of how you claim to like have this knowledge of fitness and health and whatever. And then you're doing that. And it's not just Mm -hmm. Bosu ball. It's like so many other things that you see. I'm sure you see all the time too, but it's like, that's the the stuff that I can't get Instagram. This is the problem of Instagram because does like the views and the clicks and what looks fancy and flashy is what's going to get viral. And see, for me, it's not even, it's not even the, it's not even the fancy and flashy stuff. It's actually just bad, like just bad training or things that like, just don't make any sense at all. Like an easy, an easy one that I can, uh, that I can say is like, I've seen this and this has nothing to do with Bosu ball, but it's like someone grabbing a, a cable. So like I think of an adjustable cable stack hold the cable yeah. at like uh, mid chest height and then, and then do squats with it. And it's like, well, okay. Like, I, 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 but this, the person is using this exercise, not in a, not in a regression of a squat, but actually as a progression and like loading it heavier as if that is applying gravity somehow horizontally to a squat. And I've seen this <laughs> like more times than, than I'm, than I care to have seen. And, and I can't, for the life of me, figure out how this trainer is like actually applying this. I would, I would understand using that in someone who like it's, it would base, it's basically an assisted squat. So like there is a time and a place for that, but with doing it with a, you know, 19 year old kid who's playing football, fully healthy, just wants to like lift heavy weight. Like you could put 500 mm-hmm. pounds on the stack. It's not doing anything different except maybe training his grip strength. So like, yeah. those are the things. <laughs> and I know I'm ranting now, but like, those are the things. It's like, how did, how did you who claims to be knowledgeable come up with this idea? I can't stand it. So when I see people do stuff on the, on the Bosu ball, that's dumb. Who should know better Then I'll always poke fun at it just cause it's an easy target. Yeah. So maybe I'm mm-hmm. a bully. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> no, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's always good to reflect the mirror on, on people doing uh crazy stuff. So I'm, I'm behind you on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyways, let's get back to David Weck. And yes, so yes. he's he's really big on on teaching locomotion and and running in particular. And one cue which I've used a lot for myself, for my clients that I like I just never thought to apply that for running is when I'm balancing, this is what I use, head over foot. 
right? If you're, if, if you like, if you're just standing with both feet, like shoulder distance, obviously your head's in the middle between your feet. Mm -hmm. But then if you want to balance on one foot, you got to shift over and have your head on that foot and then boom, you're in balance. So the idea of applying head over foot during locomotion, both walking and running, then what you're doing is you're landing in balance and then you're much more easily able to transition and then go to the next uh, step. And so by landing in balance, you're minimizing the compensatory things that might be happening to keep your position, right? If you're not in balance, then you're like in a position that's unsustainable. So there has to be some compensatory muscular activation to help maintain that position for as long as possible. But if you land in balance, then you kind of mitigate all that away. And then you're reducing the impact of the like the ground on your body by landing in balance. So you're more productive, less protective, more productive. So I, I really like that idea. And then like, he's got a couple of things. So he's got head over foot as you're, as you're locomoting. And then you kind of, um, there's the spinal engine too. So you're moving your spine as you're, as you're, uh, as you're running, which I, I really like the idea of moving the spine as I'm running, because obviously when you're doing squats, deadlifts, doing like, heavy lifting, yes, we're going to tighten our, our body and not move the spine. But the rest of the time, it actually does make more sense to be moving your spine, especially if it's unloaded. So I like that idea of like tapping into that, you know, like, like if vertebrates are, have existed for millions of years, and most <laughs> vertebrates use their vertebrae, use their spine to move, right? Like think about a think about a fish using its uh, spine to go through water and get, go from A to B. So it, it just kind of made sense to me. Okay, I can move my spine in this kind of like undulating fashion to go into to to, to locomote. And then the last thing to really, um, and this is I think the maybe the less important part, but uh, to add to um, maybe eventually being faster in addition, like being more efficient and faster, is he adds an arm movement to to the run so that when you're um, when you're stepping down into the ground. You can add an additional pulse of the hands down with the down with the foot, and then that way you're there's a, a larger ground force and more of a rebound effect as you're as you're bouncing off the ground and you're going from step to step. Does that make sense? Did I, did I explain that okay? The pulse yes. of the hands with the with with your step uh, uh, synchronized at the same time so that you increase the ground force and ha have more of a rebound as you're as you're jumping basically because that's what ultimately what it is it's a bunch of single leg jumps as you're running right so but he's actually thinking of it on on like the back swing of the arm rather than the forward swing of the arm is, am i understanding that correctly i need to do a little bit more um practice to be able to talk about it more intelligently i don't okay. i can't say if it's on the back swing or the or the, or, or the forward swing because i've always been taught just to the run idea. Yeah, through like uh, track and field and like, you know, for, for mm -hmm. soccer through, through track and field coaches was that like the arm swing, like you should be actively swinging your arms as you're running. Now, this was also in the context more of sprinting. So, so it may actually be different from a fine technique perspective in like longer mm -hmm. distance running, but that the, the, the arm coming forward, you should be forcefully propelling that arm forward as that as the opposite leg is driving forward. And what that does is it keeps you in a straight line. So you don't have like unwanted lateral movement, but then it's also mm -hmm. moving in unison in the same direction versus mm -hmm. what I envisioned when you were saying that was that his 
view is thinking about the the foot that's striking the ground and pulling the ground back the opposite mm-hmm. arm is is also swinging at the same time so it's swinging backwards and he's almost like as if you pull the ground with the, your foot you pull the air with the opposite side hand mm-hmm. which I see what he's saying, and it almost sounds to me like it's more of a. It might be more of a mental cue to remember to pull the ground with your foot because you, you're not mm-hmm. pushing anything with your hand. Like if you were swimming, you're propelling yourself by pushing the water back behind you. But in mm-hmm. running, like pushing the air back doesn't actually propel you forward. Swinging the arm forward propels you forward. So maybe I'm misunderstanding mm-hmm. that, but maybe it's also a distance running thing. I'm I'm, I'm not sure, but it sounds very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Well, like for, for when you're running, the, the hip extension is what really propels you forward. Mm. And the ground impact, because you could break down uh, running to going forward and going up and down. Right. So the going forward part, the hip extension takes care of that. The going up and down part is you're landing on like the ball of your foot, you're bouncing, and then you're landing on the other side and you're going. So the idea is... For the going up and down part, you can have an addition besides your body just landing on the ground on your foot with with your hands. So I I, I need to figure out what the actual technique is. I've kind mm. of I'm still playing around with it, but with your hands, you you can have a down strike at at the same time as as your foot, so that your the the rebound back up. There's an additional force. Like I'm sure you 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 know this. Like there's like if you if you're on a trampoline and you like really come down yeah. hard you can bounce yourself harder than if you just kind of don't try that and just right. float down you're not really right. floating but you just let gravity take care of it as opposed to you trying to add extra force by like you know whipping your body down into the into the bounce right. so you're just adding a little bit of extra force with the hands that that's the le- le- less important part i think the most important part yeah. is actually <laughs> yeah. the uh landing in balance and also so what you something interesting you said was like how they taught you to move your hands so that your spine stays straight so that's very different from what he's talking about because he's talking about having your spine go side to side, undulate. So you're, you're landing, if you're landing on your left foot, your body uh, uh, bends a little bit on the left side, so your head's right over the foot. So you're, so you're, you're actually instead of going um, straight, you're kind of going zigzagging side to side. But what you're really huh. doing is you're doing infinity symbols. You're doing figure eights with your body. Interesting. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to try that on myself to feel what that feels like. Yeah. But it's very counterintuitive, but when, in, when I try to theory, do it, it, it feels good. Okay. It feels right. Like, yeah. So. Cause in theory, my first thought is like, well, that's so much wasted movement. If we're talking about running mm-hmm. efficiency, you're doing, you're trying to go in a straight line or you're trying to go <laughs> forwards. Right. And so doing mm-hmm. like purposely, you're, you're almost trying to combat your body's natural inclination to want to go side to side but your body's not trying to go fast it's mm. just trying to go safe right so so it does this side to side motion because that's safer but we're not trying to again we're not trying to be safe we're trying to be fast so this this may be the difference between like sprinting and more distance running where you you do have to allow for a little bit of lateral movement and you're not just going in a pin straight line you're going to be kind of if you looked at a track it would it would be a little bit swervy so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's it seems difficult for me to envision or, or imagine what that feels like, but I, but I'm mm-hmm. very interested to, to, yeah. to try because I, I understand what he's saying. It's just so counter to 
everything that I've ever done and and been taught that I and maybe it's like when you think of it in your head for me this is me thinking aloud now that like it's not actually that much lateral movement it's just a little bit it's just more than yeah, zero you can tighten it to be very yeah. very small it depends on how wide your stride is so right. definitely for sprinters and it's very cool to check out he's got like slow-mo videos of sprinters running the 100 meter dash right yeah. and even they like the high level people you can see it in their, in their movement they have like a very small side to side head movement right Right. But then, the, so this is the other thing then is that they also don't have a lot of up and down movement. Like it's inevitable that there's like an up and down force into the ground. But again, with sprinting, the thought is grabbing the ground. And this is why like they wear the cleats, right? You grab the ground, you pull it so that you're trying to put most of that force in like a horizontal vector rather than a vertical vector. Cause you're not trying to jump, you're trying to go forward. So by pushing the, like pulling the ground as much as you can and trying like, you, you try purposely to not bounce up. You try and move forward. Yeah. So your head is basically staying straight as if there was like a plate bouncing on your head and your hips and everything is doing mostly the same. But if you look at a sprinter from like, you know, shoulders up, they, they almost like, they almost look like they're not moving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the cool, it's, that's the interesting thing is if you look from the side, from the profile, that's what it looks like. But if you shift the view and you look at them straight head on, it, it's a very different story. It's very interesting. Like check out his, uh, like yeah, you and all the listeners check out his Instagram page. He has a lot of breakdown of what he's talking about on like uh, on athletes that are not only the hundred meter dash sprinters, but he's got like football players like Deion Sanders. A lot of the things that they're doing in football, he's kind of in a way, almost you could say rediscovering through like a lot of trial and error and experimentation. He's a right. very wacky character in, yeah. <laughs> not to go off on too much of a tangent on, yeah. on David Weck, but, yeah. uh, and he, and he talks about it. He's, he's um, got like, a, I think a bipolar uh, diagnosis. Oh. And like, I feel like people who are on the edge of like, thinking like there's such a fine line between madness and, and genius, right? Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every, so, every genius is a huge, every genius is a huge weirdo and, and anything in life. Like mm -hmm. people think like, Oh, it'd be cool to be Sidney Crosby, Canadians and hockey player, whatever. And it's like, he is probably like the, the least fun guy to hang out with. I'm, I'm sure that that guy can like <laughs> only think about hockey and only talk about hockey and like has literally doesn't know anything about anything else. And that's why he's like one of the best hockey players of all time, but like, he's not good at, anything mm -hmm. else right and that's what it takes to be mm -hmm. to be the best at what you whatever you are in the world so mm -hmm. yeah yeah very very interesting thoughts though a little bit a little bit counter and like one of these things again running is so physical obviously so it's like i i it's very hard to just like imagine those things i'm not a super experienced runner but i've had a decent amount of like training and running and stuff from from mm -hmm. years ago and, and obviously for a very different purpose as well right it was about trying to go fast it wasn't about mm -hmm. it wasn't about uh distance or or anything like that mm -hmm. um so yeah, something I'm excited to try and, and kind of like dig into and just kind of feel it out and see how it feels. But, um, but I think just to kind of like circle back to all that is refining your efficiency of running, whatever that ends up looking like is going to make a world of a difference for you because like there's the technique of running. Everyone knows how to run, but most people run very poorly. And that's why so many people get injured while quote unquote, just running. So mm -hmm. yeah, nailing down the, the, the form of running as well as building up your engine is going to be is going to be huge you know let's let's move on from me i, I wanted to ask you a little, <laughs> little bit more about your your uh your training because we 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 got a general idea of, of of things but let's uh get on in on the detail a little bit more uh, if there's anything that jumps out at you that you want to share go ahead or 
like, is there one particular thing when it comes to muscle building that you want to touch on? Like that's going to, that you're going to really go after for in your, in your training plan. Um, I think that as part of the aesthetic part of this, I'm going to move a little bit away from some of like the more barbell lifts. And I may do that initially, not expecting to actually gain any muscle while I'm like cutting down. Like I'm, I'm, I'm experienced enough at training where I'm not going to gain muscle very easily. I'm certainly not going to gain muscle while I'm in a deficit and like doing tons of cardio and like and all this stuff. So like I have to accept that number one, but it's like, I'm also probably not going to gain an appreciative level of strength. So the more like bodybuilding kind of pump style, just to maintain muscle might be, might be more useful. I think on the other end of that, once I hit like my body comp goal and I'm starting to build muscle back up, I actually will lean into some more of like the show muscles and I will have like an arm day because this is going to be like a big part of this is literally just aesthetics. So yes, I want to like get my, get my strength up and all that stuff, but like, I also want those things. So I'm going to have more arm training than I, than I have in, in years, because it's just not something that's like really interests me. Like when I think of all the things that I want to do in the gym, it's like, uh, by the time it gets to arms, like I no thanks, you know, I'm, I'm going to go home now. I've been here for two hours. So <laughs> like, um, so, so I think, so I think that's probably one thing that I might change up from my from my usual training is that there actually will be a little bit more of a focus on aesthetics as opposed to just the strength um and and my training will also have to reflect the the dieting a little bit more because i'm going to have to diet down to a point and i can't be pushing super hard while i'm doing that so one i have to be careful not to get not to get injured which i don't have to be that careful i just have to like moderate my my intensity more or less and my recovery more more than more than my intensity in the gym is like focus on my recovery, which is fine. Um, and then maintain, like, don't lose any strength and muscle. That's also goal, goal number one. And so working in such a way that is like almost conducive to hypertrophy, even though hypertrophy is not actually possible, but trying to do, I think the best way to like keep muscle is by trying to build it. If that sort of makes sense. So, yeah. so trying to build muscle, knowing that it's not actually going to happen, but the, the actual goal is just to preserve it. Um, that way I've still, still maintained all the muscles, still maintain good movement patterns and all that kind of stuff. And then when I'm eating normally again and can start to start to add some muscle, then I can, you know, I can work on, on that. So that's a little bit more of like how I'm going to kind of go about, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the training, um, single joint work, sure. man. Single yeah. joint work, I think, like very important to incorporate that in, and especially in the beginning too. Why not? Then you, you're really getting your after your GPP and having, like, just even like doing a bunch of curls with light dumbbells, like that'll get your elbows, <laughs> yeah, exactly, in, in in good in good shape. So that if you actually later down the line when you're going to higher intensity phases then, you know, your bicep tendon's not going <laughs> to give you trouble when you're like maybe trying to do like barbell uh, bicep, bicep curls or something. Exactly. And, and that's, and that's kind of my thinking too. I think you said it best. There's like also just maintaining like integrity of, of the tissues, right? Like doing super heavy RDLs when I'm uh, effectively starving myself is like not really doing, it's probably doing more harm than good, but doing like, you know, 25 leg curls 
mm-hmm. m- might be better. I'm just maintaining that, that tendon strength, maintaining the tissues and like, everything's all good. It feels good. You pump blood into mm-hmm. the muscle, like whatever. It's all good. Maintain some mobility. I think there's a lot, a lot of value in from like mobility standpoint in doing single joint exercises with like high intention and, and, and high specificity. Mm-hmm. Um, almost a lot more, of benefit. Something yeah. we ignore a lot, I think, as as trainers in the beginning, at least uh, like I personally did, and I saw it in some other people as well. People who like think, oh, like functional fitness, that this is like the way to do things. They they think like, oh, if mm-hmm. it's a single joint, it less it's less functional, so it's easy, it's better to ignore. It has yeah. its, its place. It's 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 a useful tool and it, it, many benefits. Yeah, yeah. Like one one really good one I think that I actually use fairly often is actually a seated incline bicep curl. And and the reason that I use that exercise often with clients is one, especially for males, it's it's actually fun to get a bicep pump. So like talking about function, like if you if your goal in the gym is to get bigger biceps, then like a bicep curl is very functional, right? It's just to kind of like squash that. But with that exercise, because I've have them in the seated position with the shoulders protracted, chest open, it's almost more of a mobile. Like I don't actually give a shit about their biceps because like they're not eating in such a way. Like they're not going to get bigger biceps from doing that, but they feel like they are. And um, ignore that if you're one of my clients listening to this. But <laughs> like they're they're in that position, and so it's actually working on like more opening up their chest and like maintaining postural stability and all this other like secondary benefits of the exercise mm-hmm. while they're feeling the pump of their biceps. So like it's mm-hmm. it's a great it's a great way to kind of like attack some like multiple issues when you have limited training time someone's training once twice maybe three times a week it's like we can't do everything but we got we want to do as many things as we can right yeah yeah i love that one too gets the shoulder and extension something yeah. we rarely do on a day-to-day basis so that's another added benefit for that one as well yeah yeah so i think there's a lot of so, so i'll probably end up doing a lot more single joint work than i have in the past not initially because my initial goal is like you know the, the the diet will start and but it won't be that it won't be that heavy like at the beginning so or, or that intense at the beginning because it'll be fresh and i'll be excited all that stuff um but uh but but my goal is like building up my my gym engine so to speak not necessarily cardio but just like overall so like i probably won't do as much that'll be more of like standard kind of full body ish type stuff and then and then it'll get more specific as um as things go down and there may even be a, a point it will depend on how my body's feeling where I might kind of like ditch strength training and work like just strictly on mobility where like holding end range positions and like putting force mm-hmm. to that, which is certainly still strength training, but not like not lifting weights <laughs> kind of thing, single joint exercises, but in a very different way. Um, and, and that may be mixed in, in, in such a way just to continue working, but also keep like overall intensity a little bit lower. So some of the considerations. Yeah. What about for um, muscle building, incorporating something like German volume training? Have you ever tried it? Yeah, I've I've done it a few times. I've I've come to learn that like it's certainly not the best way to go about training. Like from everything that we know about hypertrophy now, and especially like lately, there's been so much. I don't, I don't know how much of this stuff you pay attention to, but like I watched. Uh, Cassim Hansen and Pat Davidson's like hypertrophy debates. And it was like six hours of them debating about hypertrophy. And there's all these like personal beefs, not with them, but like with other people and, and all this stuff. And we know so much stuff about hypertrophy now. It's like German volume training is not the best way to go about it. However, it works. You get a huge pump. It's fun. 
I think it's fun in like a sick kind of way. If you just like love it gets training, boring. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's pretty time efficient. It's pretty like mental energy efficient because you only got to focus on two things and that's it. You just push through it. I think there's also like this element of doing hard stuff for the sake of doing hard stuff, doing yeah. 10 sets of 10 of back squats paired with 10 sets of 10 of like, uh, horizontal rows or something like that is fucking hard. And there is, there is some, there is some like, Again, I can't prove this, but I feel it to be true for myself. There is something about like going through some period of training that is that difficult that is that is beneficial, I think, from a training perspective and from just like an overall life perspective, same as you know, going to jujitsu and getting choked out all the time. Like it's you know, there's there's something about like doing hard things that is that is good. And there's many, many ways to train hard. But I think that that is like a system that I do revert back to every now and then. And also it's part of like a Let's just see if I still got it. Let's like let's let's see if I can still get through this. Um, mm-hmm. So so I do like it I, from a from a pure physiology standpoint. I think it's like far too much volume, far too mm-hmm. much unnecessary volume, mm-hmm. um, and and we'd be better off doing like less volume of those bigger exercises and like more single joint, more specific Accessory. stuff. Like you're not going to do ten sets of ten of, of bicep curls or like leg extensions. You're going to do squats. <laughs> RDLs, you know, pull-ups, these kind of things. So it's like, well, what are we really working on? We're working on getting really good at squats and getting a lot of volume in the legs in general. But if I want to focus on one thing, then I've got to get a little bit more specific than that. So, um, yeah, I do, I do, I do like German volume training. I I don't know. I don't really, I think I've used it with one client, maybe two ever, but, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, not, not, not for, uh, not for the weak minded and certainly not for beginners. It's just, it's just too much to, to be reasonable. Right. Okay. Now, if for the show part, uh, you're not going to be on gear. But what kind of no. supplements are you are you going to use? Is is creatine something that you use, that you you will use for this one in particular? Yeah, yeah. Creatine is is uh, almost an all the time for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's been harder to get recently. I don't know if if you regularly use creatine, but like. I think there's been this explosion of like people talking about creatine on TikTok in reference to like <laughs> growing your butt that like for whatever oh reason, I, I, this has been the only thing that I can think of, but like for whatever reason, creatine has gotten like much more expensive and like, it's just been out of stock everywhere for like a very long time. Mm-hmm. So anyways, aside from that, creatine is something that I take pretty much perpetually. Um, I'd have no issues with it. Like I don't have any indigestion or anything with it. I feel great taking it. Um, just kind of part of the routine. Um, I do Any other supplements. Uh, yeah. So nothing, nothing that's crazy. I'll take magnesium. I'll take a little bit more probably in the beginning. Um, just because I'll be like way more sore and more beat up and all that stuff. Um, zinc omega threes, uh, vitamin D I'll, I'll probably take less during the summer just cause I'll be able to be outside so yeah. much more. Um, that's like that's it really i don't i'm not i'm not a big i'm not a big supplement guy coffee if, if you want to count caffeine as a as a supplement yeah um that's I'm why not, i just said I'm not really a huge supplement you're doing guy. that one yeah mm-hmm. yeah i've just found like most of them are just like yeah sure they help but like unless i was competing or in a sport or something then maybe i would like look to take more i just like i don't know that it's actually going to help me move the needle in any appreciable way any more mm-hmm. than, than doing everything else really well. And like, there's also a financial cost to those things. If, if I, if money was no object, would I take more supplements? Mm-hmm. Like probably because I wouldn't be caring about how much money I'm spending on supplements, mm-hmm. even, even if it's going to only matter like 
0.01%. If I have unlimited mm-hmm. cash, like sure, I'll, I'll take a 0.01% benefit to take another capsule per day. Like I don't care, but, but currently I do care about that. So, mm-hmm. so, so I'm not going to even, I'm not going to even go through it. It's not going to move the needle enough for me to, uh, to do anything. Yeah, man. I like what you said The like focus on the basics, the most fundamental stuff first. Like it's so funny when people start training, they're so happy to get started on on the supplements yeah, right yeah. away. It's like, why don't you just get like a solid phase of training under your belt first, see yeah. what that does to you, and then and then maybe decide you want you want supplements, right? Yeah. Take care of the basic stuff. Like supplements, yeah. they're called supplements for a reason. They supplement like the trading. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm hundred percent with you on that. It's I think it's just like it's really easy to hit purchase and then take a couple pills and feel like you're doing something and and you are, it's not doing nothing, but it's not doing as much as you think it is. Like if I'm, if I'm not training and not paying attention to my diet, I don't take supplements because I'm like, what am I doing? Like fooling myself, taking this, like I haven't worked out in three weeks and I've been eating like shit. Let's say that was the case. And like, I'm going to take these two little zinc capsules and feel like I did something like what, who am I, who am I fooling? You know? So, so like, I, I, I don't really, uh, yeah, I don't I don't lean on them that much. And my kind of general recommendation with especially creatine actually, because I feel like a lot of people like don't understand how creatine works and like it most people don't understand how it works, but like it helps you it's supposed to help you train harder. So like make sure you're training hard first and then use it to help you push past that. Like if you just started training, like the creatine is literally not helping you because you you're you're so many steps away from getting to your like max effort that it's it's not actually doing anything beneficial for you um but at the same time i've also very much come around to the idea that for some people again they don't they don't care about the money not that they're like you know millionaires but they don't care about um spending 20 30 50 100 bucks a month on supplements and that ritual for them is something that helps them kind of get in gear and like, okay, I got my pre-workout and I got my this and that. And it's like, mm-hmm. as long as it's not doing any harm, if that helps you get in the mode of like working out, same thing could be true of someone buying new workout clothes. You want to get a fancy new workout outfit, like not my thing, but like if that's the thing that helps get you in the gym, like then by all means, like go for it. So if you want to take pre-workout, as long as you're not hurting yourself, by all means, go for it. I'm not a fan of it. Never felt like I needed it. A uh, regular espresso is, is plenty for me. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so, but again, if that works for you, then it works. Who am I to say otherwise? Yep. Yep. Any, any last thing you want to talk about for uh, like with regards to achieving your goal? Like, is there like one specific thing that uh, you have in your mind that you you're focusing on with regards to it? Um, not getting injured is is always my number one focus only because i've had Fair. uh so many injuries in in the past and and i really got to get this this shoulder dealt with um i think one thing that is very slightly in the back of my mind and i'm and again i've done this before so it's not like it's not something that i'm that I'm worried about, but I, I just, I understand it to be like a possibility. Like I'm not worried about it at all, but it's just like, it's just there that, uh, you get, when you get this like quote unquote, incredible body of like leanness and like your best ever is, is Mm -hmm. making that not be the, the peak 
of like, okay, this is it. And I'm going to do this once. And then I'm like, never again. And then like in 20 years, I'm like, Oh, I remember when I was doing all that stuff. <laughs> like, I just want to look like, I want to get to like a, a point that I'm going to be at. And then I just want to stay like that. And I just want to be like that for, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so in my head, it's, it's not getting attached to what that looks like and what that, and what that feels like and not be getting so comfortable with it because the first part of like, getting down to that point is, is actually going to be the, the easier part. It's like, mm. it's next year and keeping that, that is going to be the, the, the harder part. And then deciding whether I, whether I want to maintain that level of leanness or not, maybe, maybe I don't. And, but at the same time, you know, I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to take that statement back. It's not that it's not deciding whether I want to, because I do want to right now, but when it comes time, I'm like, ah, eh, I don't really need it. Eh, eh, it's okay to be a little bit less lean. Like, well, what's the difference? Right. And then that's like, that's, that's the trap. And I'm not going to explode up and become overweight, but I'm just not going to mm-hmm. be in that body that I so apparently want. So mm-hmm. uh, I've got to just stay disciplined. Like it's the, it's the goal after the goal. That's, that's the thing that's like kind of like in, in the back of my mind that I'm already thinking about is like, this is the last time I'm doing this. And then I'm just keeping this for forever. You said we'll it was, see. you're aiming for 9% body fat. Is that right? Yeah. There's nothing special about nine, just that it's lower than 10. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. So you're thinking if you're able to achieve your goal this year, potentially you might want to maintain 9% body fat ongoing into next year for some period of time. Yeah. Yeah. and, and, And ongoing. I think it will be not that easy, but not impossible either. Mm hmm. I, it, it's not, uh, but, but here's the other thing is like, I, I don't want to just be perpetually dieting and I don't think I'll need to do that either. I, I actually want to somewhat experiment with like the concept of outworking your diet. And, and it's not even an experiment <laughs> because I've done it. I've done it before where I've gotten super lean and, and I've certainly dieted, but not to a point that was actually difficult on the food side. I was just so active that I actually was outworking the, the, the diet, the diet was good. It was clean. It was, it was not in a way that was like, it, it was clean, but I like, I like eating clean anyway. So it's, that's, that's, that's not the hard part for me. It's just the volume of food and the volume of food last time was actually very manageable for me. It wasn't, it didn't feel like I was starving. Didn't feel like I was like making myself not eat at all, but I was just so active that I actually mm-hmm. got like very, very lean. And so, and so I want to just be able to maintain that now as my life changes. And again, children and all this stuff like yeah maybe that's going to change but until then like i'll i'll, I'll, I'll do my best mm-hmm. do you think it's like um maintaining nine percent body fat is uh doable without um on a on a ongoing basis is doable without having to uh like do a little bit of uh, a calorie deficit deficit i guess i don't know um would you- i I would, I would like to think so um, the, I think, so my holdup on this thing, and it's been the thing that's kind of like held me back in, in certain ways and more thought patterns in my head is like, I'm not a big guy. So me mm. being at 9% body fat is going to be like a, I'm going to end up being somewhere around like 150 or, or less pounds, which just means like not that much food. And like, I'd like to eat like everyone else. And so uh, ideally I wouldn't have to go through like periods of like, continuing to go back into a deficit to get back to 9%, uh, the goal would be just like to stay there. So find whatever my maintenance ends up being and then just stay there. So not having mm-hmm. to continually go into a deficit because that, that would be 
that would be annoying. And I think that would be less doable than, than actually just maintaining mm-hmm. it year round. I guess the reason why I asked that is like the leanest I ever got was 10% as measured uh, at KX back in the gym we, mm-hmm. we met at <laughs> with the, with the skinfold test. Yeah. And I got to that after a month of doing keto and training. I would, I wouldn't classify my training as like anything extraordinary, but it, it was, it's definitely like not bad training, decent training. And in a month that was able to get me down to 10%, but then immediately after, like I was no longer doing keto and, uh, like I didn't get fat or anything, but that 10% did not last much more right. than, than, but than a were week. you, were you, were you trying to maintain it though? Uh, no, I was just, I was, uh, I was just switching from doing keto to no longer doing that, just eating regular. Right. Right. So, so I would actively try to maintain that level of leanness. Mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, I'm not like a big, I like carbs just like everybody else. But yeah. when, when I'm like, when I'm dialed in and like kind of whatever, I, I actually don't eat that many carbs and I feel better doing that. And mm-hmm. obviously this comes with like a whole, you know, I know we, we you and I kind of think alike on, on diet stuff for, for the most part. Um, but there are mm-hmm. people like, Oh no, like eat junk food and like lose weight. And it's like, I, that fucking bothers me to no end. Like, Oh, I eat cake <laughs> every day and lose weight. It's like, yeah, but that's not the point. Like it's <laughs> sure you could do it, but like, well, why would you do that to yourself? But anyway, so like my, so my thing with like every time that I've really lost weight, hasn't been like very drastic dietary changes. It's, it's really just a reduction in total volume. That's, that's all it's been. So like, even when I'm, even when I was like really bulking up, I like had to force myself to eat carbs in the morning. Like, and and I felt horrible. Like I didn't feel good at all, but, uh, (laughs) but, but then, but then when I dieted down after that, I didn't do anything special with my diet. My diet was like more or less the same as like the bulking diet. It was just less food. Um, and that Mm -hmm. was like, that's maintainable. Like since then I've like pretty easily like without trying and like maintained my weight now i'm not like super lean or anything right now but like i'm fine mm-hmm. um so so it's not it's it doesn't now maybe at that lower volume of food it will be diff- difficult but i don't know to be determined i've never maintained that that level of leanness for any appreciable amount of time so so we'll see and again maybe my maybe my goals will will change maybe i'll realize it's way harder and it's not worth it um who knows? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Exactly. Yeah. It's just fun to talk about this and throw yeah. ideas back and forth and like, just, uh, yeah. Cause that, uh, I didn't realize that this was uh, something that you wanted to actually maintain for a long time. And mm. that, that really, uh, struck a chord with me. It was really interesting. So it's just good, good to talk back and forth on this. Yeah. Cause yeah, yeah. it was, it seemed like pretty hard for me to get down to 10%. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> And it, it was, it was awesome that like that one photo I have of myself in the, in the bathroom is <laughs> That makes it all worth it. It makes it all worth it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, my thought is like, I, again, I want to do it and then we'll see how, how feasible it, it happens. I don't anticipate that it's going to be easy, but you know, the accountability piece, like this entire podcast will definitely help with that because it's like, okay, you know, I, I said I was going to do it. So like, you know, don't be a quitter and stop when you hit 12. Like, right. Even though mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, nobody mm-hmm. will actually judge me for that other than myself. Um, 
the accountability piece is there just to say that I did it and then to try and maintain it and then figure out how to, how to do that. And, and there's mm-hmm. definitely like, obviously there are people who do this, people who do this w- without using drugs. And so it's obviously possible. And so I just want to be one of those people, I guess, or, or I think that I do right now. And maybe when mm-hmm. I get there, I don't want to do that, but we'll, you know, again, mm-hmm. that's, that's my thought right now. Yeah. Just don't, don't pull the liver King on us and <laughs> go on no. gear secretly. <laughs> no, 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 no. I never, I never would. I mean, no, no, I, 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 not never, sorry. I, I would I'm never do kidding. it. I would never, I would secretly. never do it. I would never do it secretly. Yeah. I, I'm, I honestly anticipate that. Like, I, I don't know what age, but I just want to just pick 40 as like a thing, but I got to get this tested and stuff. Like I would be surprised, honestly, if I don't use at least like TRT when I get a little mm-hmm. bit older. Mm-hmm. But like I'm 28 now, so I'm not I'm not close to to feeling like I need to to, to use anything. But I'd be surprised, especially as like the, all the stuff gets better and better and like less risky, and we m- know more about it and more like targeted dosing and all this stuff. Like I'd be surprised if I don't use at least that. I, I have no desire to get like mega big to use like actual steroids. So I'm I'm pretty certain. I'll never say never, but I'm pretty certain I would never do it just because I have no desire to stick a needle in me just to be like a little bit bigger. It seems mm-hmm. just seems like a bad trade-off for me, but no judgment to, to people who want to do it. If you're in bodybuilding and you're not doing steroids, I honestly think that I don't know what you're doing. Like it's, <laughs> it's part of the sport. You gotta, you gotta do it. There's one guy, Mike Van Wick. He always says if you're if natural bodybuilding is just a lack of commitment to the sport. I think <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I think it's a it's a great it's a great thing because it's just part of the sport. Right? Bodybuilding is not the sport of who's the healthiest. It's the sport of who's the biggest. So, mm-hmm. but anyways, you know, we don't have to harp on that. Yeah. I, I won't. I won't. I won't pull liver thing. <laughs> just uh, yeah, of course not. Fun, just a quick uh, funny story with TRT. Uh, buddy from uh, Jujitsu Gym was uh, telling me he just got his testosterone tested to see if he could qualify for, qualify for TRT, and yeah. his test came back normal and he was upset that it was normal so he couldn't get the TRT. <laughs> Whoops. It's like, damn, I wish it was lower so I could get that TRT. Like, it's like, dude, well, you're good. You're healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you really want it, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to, to game that test to, to oh, tank yeah, your levels yeah. <laughs> just so you can get the, get the doctor to write that, write that script. It might be actually difficult to get the doctor to write the script in, in Canada, but uh, it's pretty easy to tank that test if you if you want to. <laughs> yeah, that's what I told he, he him didn't afterwards. Hear that from me, <laughs> After I told him that he's ridiculous for not being happy that he's healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think I think it is a real thing. I mean, I think it. We'll. we'll, we'll I don't want to go down. I mean, so many rabbit holes we can go down, but like, I think that there is a legitimate use case for it, just from a pure health perspective. As we get older, right? It seems like Definitely. The, as the medicine gets better, whatever that means, less downsides or less, we just Mm -hmm. know more about it. It seems like a, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you do it? Not at some like super physiological dose, but just like a little bit, just to, just to keep you young and a little pep in your step. Like why, why not? As we, as we get better, it seems like there's a lot of, uh, actual health implications. And I've, I've always thought the same about, I don't know enough about anabolic steroids to, to say what the uses would be, but I feel like if there was better and more research on them, we would have like a lot of actual medical uses of them for people who are, um, suffer from, from muscular Mm -hmm. degenerative diseases or certain injuries or like surgical repairs. And like, I I feel like there could be a lot of actual real use cases for like old ladies and little kids and like Mm -hmm. these kind of things that are not just like about getting big and jacked. So, but I don't know. That's just, that's just, I don't know enough about it, but yeah. 
not necessarily for anabolic steroids, but like EPO that has many medical uses and right. people use that for uh, endurance doping. Right. Yeah. And everything is the, you know, the, the, the poison is, is in the dose, right? Like TRT is a great example. You can, you can take a little bit just to like keep yourself young and healthy and full of energy, or you can like take a lot and be a big monster. So, you know, <laughs> again, it's not the tool. It's just the the person using it like, like Bosu balls. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. I think I uh, yeah. we did a pretty good job laying out what our goals are, how we're going to be striving for them, why we're doing them, how we're doing them. That that covers it. I think so, man. I think I said everything I wanted to say about mine. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about your uh, your journey? Really excited about doing something new. I feel like my uh, training, maybe this is a good uh, thing to finish off on is, with regards to training, I, I like to view it as discipline and fun. It's like these two ends of the spectrum. And I feel like I was a lot on the fun part of it for a really long time and not enough on the discipline part. And, you know, you always got to go back. You always, you can't be on one side. You got to, the answer is always both, hmm. but you all, it's hard to do both at the, like at the same time. So you, so you got to go back and forth. And, you know, I just didn't have my why. I, I had my why with, with jujitsu, but training for jujitsu is a little bit different. You know, it's, it's, it's not the same. You go, you go to class and you learn and there's a lot of like internalizing and it's, it's not as easy as going to the gym or going out and running and being able to like easily track the progress for that. So yeah. now I have a new aspect back back in my training. That's a lot more disciplined and focused and I have everything written down. Maybe this, this is another thing is just writing my goal down. That was a big step in actually working towards doing it. <laughs> I had it in my mind for a long time that this is what I'm going to be doing, but like I didn't actually make the, do my first workout till I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very hard to, to like to work towards nothing or just a, like this idea that's just a flash in the pan, right? It's, it's very different when you have a, when you have a program and like, okay, we're doing things for a reason. And like, this is why we're do, you know building all this stuff up. And even for us people who like, just like, I just like going to the gym and just doing stuff, but like, it's actually way more fun and training is way better when I actually have a goal in mind and I'm working towards something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to have rediscovered this balance of having fun, but also being disciplined in my training. Yeah. Wonderful, man. Well said. I'm excited for you. I think we'll, 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 we'll obviously be in touch like, you know, plenty of times before then, but, um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll maybe for we'll, the account for the yeah, accountability, for the accountability piece. say, we'll, we'll revisit this, this, this podcast, like at the end of the year and see, or I guess in, yeah. in October, how, after your, uh, after your race and like see how things went and, and kind of like look back mm -hmm. on like, what went well, what went, what went wrong, how you do it differently and all that stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for me. And, Let's mm -hmm. go. I'm excited for everyone. Whoever's, you know, I know it's April now and like if people have already hit mm -hmm. their goals. People haven't started yet, but like it's never too late to start all that cliche yeah. stuff, but like let's get it going. Many people have quit, but it's not too late to restart. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Well said, John. Cool, Thanks man. for having me, man. I, I appreciate you. Appreciate you doing this and reaching out and dealing with my uh, scheduling issues over the past couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. But uh, no big deal. We, uh, we got it done. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for watching or listening till the end of the podcast. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, please reach out through social media at jmartfit on Twitter and Instagram, or send an email to jmartfit at substack.com. Have a good week and till next time.